This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, I share with you some of my takeaways from the guests we had on our special edition, international edition of the Shift from Friday night and the most impactful moments. Canadian actor and friend of the Shift, Jesse Lipscomb, joins us to chat about his board game, about equality, plus what the life of an actor looks like in Canada. And are you okay with restaurants, bears, and more? This is the Shift Podcast. watching a hockey game this weekend with my son's game and oh canada played and i sat there and i stared at the canadian flag and listened to oh canada differently and thought if we were in the shoes of ukrainians what would that look like how grateful should we be for the life that we have i can tell you this that from everything that has happened I've learned an awful lot, and I'll share my thoughts after I share some of the conversation from Friday night. The first clip I wanted to play for you uh, was uh, with a guy named Steppen. Got to give the guy credit. Quite possibly has the best mustache I've ever seen on a human being. Unbelievable. Now, Steppen is an advocate. That's what he does. He works in all those, uh, in those worlds of the world of taking care of, of people and sticking up for Ukraine advocacy manager at a foundation called Dijur. And um, Stefan joined us on here on the live version of The Shift on the weekend, and we chatted about all kinds of things, and I asked him a question about the lack of help, the help they're getting, but the lack of help from NATO and all that stuff. So here's a small clip, and I want you to hear all of these, but this one um, because of what he says, and I started with this question. Let me ask you this, Stepan. Does this lack of action change your opinion at all of NATO or of uh, the Western countries in general? Uh, no, I mean, I had no, uh, you know, I didn't have high expectations. I knew that this will be like that. I knew that the leaders of NATO countries will not be as fast to react to what Putin is doing. And, I, and obviously they don't want to. Uh, engage themselves in any military actions with uh, Russia directly. Uh, but, I mean, we have no illusions, but, uh, I mean, this is our country. We will def- defend it to, to, to the last, you know, uh, person. But uh, this is not only about Ukraine. It's also about democracies. When leaders of your countries are saying that they have values and they will stand for values, you know, fighting alongside uh, Ukraine is defending values. You know, saying that the, we are defending values and at the same time refusing to cut off uh, Russia from SWIFT uh, or helping us, uh, you know, making Ukraine a no-fly zone. This is just, uh, you know, uh, like uh, double standards. And that's mm-hmm. what people are saying. I mean, uh, I, I support these ideas because uh, it's either you help us and democracy stands, and this is democracy is a value that is uh, really important for your, your societies, you have to help democratic states. So Stepan uh, joined the shift on Friday, um, very clear, and I, I found it quite stunning where he didn't, Stefan Burko didn't have an expectation, he said, of what NATO was going to bring. Also found it very poignant when he spoke about what leadership looks like. In the background of that clip, you could hear children. There was children in the background. And I found that juxtaposition of talking about war and government 
and hearing children playing in the background to be frightening and grounding and also reassuring at the same time. Confusing is what it was. Because that's what you're fighting for, really, is those you know little peanuts running around in the background. So after that conversation um, with Stepan there, uh, the topic changed slightly, and I asked him uh, this question about his life and was he if he was a dad and what that meant and who those kids were in the background. Uh, Stepan joins us from Lviv in uh, Ukraine right now. Now, Stepan, we hear uh, quietly in the background voices of young people. Are you a dad? Yes, yes. This is this was my son, three-year-old son, and the daughter of our friend. She's a three-year-old. Can you tell us their first names just so we can know uh, who that is in the background? Would that be yeah, okay? Yeah, that was Martin and Bohdanka. Well, uh, Stepan, I imagine um, as you look at those babies and you look at the future of Ukraine, uh, you're left with uh, a fair bit, a fair bit to think about and to consider. And um, we only have a few seconds left here, and I wish we had endless amount of time because it, it, there's so much that I'm learning I'm learning so much about Europe and from about your country in the last few days. It makes me wonder why I didn't learn it sooner. I can tell you that much. What do you want Canadians to know for a final word here, Stepan, uh, before we let you go from Ukraine? What do you want Canadians to know? Uh, I want Canadians to know that we will fight for our country, you know, no matter what. And uh, we are strong. So people will fight. But we need ammunition and we need uh, more military help from your country and other NATO countries. I would kindly ask all Canadians and all uh, NATO uh, societies to organize like a public pressure to your leaders to support us more. Uh, if, uh, because what we see is that leaders of Western countries, they're hesitant. They don't know, you know, they have to feel that their actions are supported by their uh, nations. If people on the streets or if, if you write to your representative in parliament that you support more help to Ukraine, more military help to Ukraine, they will not be that hesitant to help us. So I, I kindly ask you all to direct these thoughts and these ideas to your representatives, to your leaders of your nations, so then they will not be hesitant to help us militarily. It's babies in the background, man. I'm not quite sure I would be that calm. Not all of our guests on Friday were calm like Stepan. Stepan, Stepan was in Lviv, which is on the west coast, uh, the west side of uh, Ukraine. So there have been attacks in, in Lviv, but there's no troops action going on over there. Our next guest, you might have heard her last week, Hannah Shalist. She's in Odessa, and Odessa's on the southern coast on the Black Sea, about 400 kilometers away from Crimea, so very familiar with what everything has been going on in the south. And at the very end of our conversation, uh, Hannah speaks quickly. Um, there's a lot. I can feel the stress in her voice, and I asked her a question that if she could pick one word, one word to describe what was Ukraine. Like, what is Ukraine? What are Ukrainians? What is all of this? Pick one word, Hannah. And Dr. Hannah Shalist gave this answer. Freedom. 
You know, some years ago, uh, the uh, uh, Big Bird appeared in uh, uh, the capital. Uh, uh, it's interesting story, story how, but it was written, freedom is our religion. And uh, uh, this uh, slogan became now as the second national slogan of Ukraine. So freedom is our religion and uh, freedom from occupiers, freedom to choose for ourselves, freedom to decide. And that's something what Ukrainian history demonstrates you can't cope with. Those who are interesting, it is the free book. You can download it um, on the Internet. Uh, Ukraine in Histories and Stories. It's been published uh, two years ago. Um, it is the collection of articles of Ukrainian intellect including mine, but you can find there on history, on movie and on security. It's completely relevant now and it's very easy. It is not for professional, it's not the academic book. It is for the um, general public to read. And uh, uh, those who are interested in read a few articles where our, um, uh, my colleagues are explaining what does mean uh, uh, freedom, uh, what does mean dignity, what does mean multi-ethnicity for Ukrainians. And I hope that it will help to understand better why Ukrainians are fighting uh, now. Dr. Hannah Shalist, thank you so much for connecting and uh, stay safe and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. So that was from Friday night. I feel like the word freedom, somebody tried to hijack it from us. And um, while everybody has a different view, I suppose, of what freedom looks like, I can tell you this, fighting for freedom does not include inflatable hot tubs. That's what I learned. I learned that fighting for freedom does not include dancing in the streets to disco music and honking your horn. I will always encourage everybody to fight for what they believe in. But we weren't fighting for, we weren't fighting for freedom in Canada. I'm going to call it like it is. We were fighting for convenience. I learned that this weekend from Hannah Shalist, who is in Odessa in southern Ukraine. That's what we fight for. Convenience. This next guest to me was the scariest of the conversations. His name is Mikhailo, and uh, Mikhailo Zernikov. And he, uh, he shares in the clip that he used to be a judge and judicial reform is what he really is his stand, right? Trying to create a non-corrupt Ukraine. In fact, he's co-founder and chair of the board of the Dijer Foundation. So that's what they do. Um, I asked him where he was in the start of the conversation, and he didn't feel safe enough to tell me. Here's how it went. Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, thanks for having me. So, Michaela, can you help us understand where you are in Ukraine right now? Well, I, I wouldn't like to um, disclose my exact location right now for security reasons. Can you tell uh, me the city, west, In the western part. Uh, the western part. It's, it's the western part of Ukraine. It's Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that, and I appreciate your privacy on that. Are you okay? Are you in a safe place right now? Well, relatively safe. I don't know. Uh, it, can places be safe when there's bombings and challenges and, and, and everything? But, I mean, here in the Western Ukraine, it's, it's uh, um, of course, it's safer than uh, it is, you know, in Kiev or, or other places when there's a very active fighting happening right now. Um, yeah, that. Yeah. And, of course, it's, uh, you know, one of the reasons why, why, why I didn't want... It's quieter, definitely. But one of the reasons why I didn't want to 
disclose my <clears throat> exact location. Sorry, uh, is uh, you know Russia is is um, making lists of people, activists, uh, human rights defenders, and others who uh, people who have worked with you know with the U.S. and uh, and the West, so that they want to uh, essentially eliminate and uh, and assassinate. So that is that's one of the security concerns. Also, it's another one uh, that that the people are you know concerned about. Uh, so yeah, um, that. Well, I can hear that it weighs heavily uh, on you. Um, are you okay right now? Like uh, I can only imagine, Michaelo, the stress that comes from this, um, the pressure that is on on you. Can you can you help me understand? I'm hoping to create a little peace of mind for you in this conversation as well. Um, can you help me understand how you are Thank doing? You. And are, are you okay? Yeah, I'm. Yes, I mean I'm okay. Does you're absolutely right? It's not easy, and emotionally, it's it is a challenge to uh, you know to live in a state of war, especially in the, in the first days. Um, I think I've I've already gone through the initial stage of you know. Uh, whatever it, whatever it is called, um, and right now I am uh, you know determined, uh, relatively calm, uh, focused on helping uh, Ukraine and Ukrainian army, and uh, uh, you know organizing a lot of volunteer help, helping each other. I mean the the amount of uh, resources, information, connections, all the things that that, that go through pretty much every Ukrainian citizen right now. Uh, that is, I mean, everybody's involved in helping um, to defend the country, even if it's not uh, directly, you know, with the arms uh, in their hands, but, uh, you know, contributing, providing volunteer help, uh, whatever that is. It's, it's, it's insane how, how people are getting organized and how everybody is uh, from where they are helping, uh, helping Ukraine to defend itself. So very well spoken, uh, Mikhailo Zernikov. And let's be clear, and let's have this land clearly for a second. That's a man who's afraid that he's on an elimination list from Russia. And he finds it relevant and important enough to join us on a radio show in Canada to share the important work that other people are doing around him. That's what freedom looks like, my friends. That's what fighting for freedom looks like. And I think we all need to be reminded of that. We as Canadians need to hold our government into account for all the things that go on, right? I have a message that I wanted to give political leaders the prime minister but he's not the only one on the hook opposition leaders other party leaders everybody i hope you realize the privilege you have in leading a country like canada it's not a right it's not about your agenda it is a privilege when you look at your colleagues around the world and you see what they're going through I hope you realize the privilege you've been given by Canadians and the people who voted for you. And if you're the leader of this country, I really hope you get it now. The privilege you've been given by the people who voted for you. And for the people who didn't, 
just because your guy or your gal is not leading the country, you need to hold your leader into account for standing up for all the things that aren't going in the way of what freedom looks like, what accountability looks like, what integrity looks like, and frankly, what Canada looks like. When I looked at the Canadian flag and I listened to O Canada, I was reminded very clearly that I don't think Canadians know what freedom truly looks like. We take it for granted. We're complacent. And I don't believe that politicians in Canada understand the gravity, the magnitude of the privilege they've been given. This is the Shift Podcast. Last year, I introduced you to a gentleman by the name of Jesse Lipscomb. Uh, Jesse is an actor. He's an activist. He's a hair grower. Uh, he does all <laughs> kinds of amazing things. Um, the reason why I say that is because before the pandemic started, he had sort of short uh, hair and now it is like been set free. Uh, if you know Jesse from some of his acting, um, it is uh, much longer today than some of the things you've uh, been in. Just wanted to touch base and say, hey, Jesse, how are you? I'm good, Shane. Uh, it's good to be back. It's good. I don't mind. We can talk about the hair. I mean, I'm 41 and I have a full head of it. So I'm happy with that. You know, luck of the. Uh, well, isn't that so exciting? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, thanks, mom. It really you is. Know, on the mom's side, apparently. Yeah. So I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like i mean of all things in life that we need to be grateful for at times when we look in the mirror we can go hmm yeah at least i got some hair right now but also you I mean and if you're out there you know dealing with hair loss that's fine too because you know short hair is real cool uh just grease up the top i this is what i say though if you have short hair like have it you know what i mean like oh, whatever you got own <laughs> it hard not don't maybe not mm-hmm. come over the four to pretend it's all about that authentic life yeah well that is the very much the truth um so you've been busy. Um, there's lots going on. Did you move? Yeah, I mean, sort of, which is weird to say, right? So I did, um, you know, I was shooting a, a TV show called Joe Pickett. Um, you can watch that on um, Paramount Plus, by the way. But uh, Joe Pickett, and uh, we were shooting in Calgary. Shameless promo, love yeah, it. I love, I love it. <laughs> and uh, during, right around that time, uh, Julia and I were deciding, my wife and I, like, we want to move uh, within a year. And we were talking about where we would go. Um, and we, uh, we settled on somewhere that has a big city and, uh, ocean and, or mountains. And so it was down to like New Zealand, LA, Hawaii, or Vancouver. And Vancouver made the most sense for all of our careers. So we decided that we would move there, but still I'm going to keep my home in Edmonton because I, I have my two older sons, uh, and Shannon, um, and then Julia and my youngest son over there. So I go back and forth, um, split half my time in Edmonton, half my time in Vancouver. Um, but it's great. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, very happy with the move. You know, there's a lot of things that have to work and moving parts in order for this to work out successfully, but we have such a great blended family and really, you know, it's, it's one of those things where if we want to step our careers up properly, um, and, and be happy with the decisions we're making, sometimes it's a lot of work, uh, but it's definitely worth it. And we're loving it up there. Well, let's talk about that part. Let's talk about the uh, it's worth it blended family thing because there's so many people that will be listening to this conversation that might be hitting that that wall of the blended family. For me, it's been just creating the intention of what you want it to look like, what you want it to feel mm-hmm. like, right? Like when one of the yep. best pieces of advice I was given was when the kids come out from their you know grade six play or the musical or whatever band concert 
basketball game and they come to see their parents. And if the parents are standing in two separate spots in the lobby or the hallway, they have to, in that moment, make a choice. Which parent mm-hmm. do I go see? And that, that moment, if you can imagine that moment being a child, would be a really crappy moment. But what if you could take that whole choice away? And what if you could, that's the only intention that you create is that your kids never have to make that choice. That's a pretty magical place, Jesse. I mean, I think so. But then how would you find out who the better parent really is, right? Like, shouldn't we put the kid well, You just tell them. Absolutely. You just tell them. And I mean, we already know who they pick. We don't even have to say it on the air. We know. But I was going to say, I am in a lucky situation. I mean, <laughs> Shannon and I, we put a lot of work into creating this. Uh, and I say this because it wasn't, I'm like, we do hear a lot of things like it's about the kids. It's about the kids. Always make sure it's good for the kids. But we, I think we did a different range. We, we made sure it was good for us because we wanted to enjoy each other's company uh, all the time. And we are, we are really good friends. Julia and Shannon are good friends. Me and Lee, her partner are good friends. And we hang out collectively. We hang out, you know, just me and Lee sometimes, just Julia and Shannon sometimes. Um, And to get there took a lot of work, but it definitely is so worth it because we actually enjoy each other. So this move, you know, they were both very supportive of, they were for it. They knew career-wise it made sense and we collectively make it work. Um, they come out there sometimes uh, and hang out and same thing when we come back into Edmonton. So it, it, it takes a team without a doubt to make this work, but it is working. And it's so nice to see the children see that, right? Like if anything, they have four, uh, you know, functioning adults that love them and love each other and are all working collectively to make everyone's life better not just the kids lives um and i think it's working out pretty good for for everyone except for it's more money right because i'm in two have two homes but other than that that's what money's for you're supposed to spend it well money Mm -hmm. is worth nothing until you use it really yeah two homes i got one in edmonton one in vancouver but before we move on from the parenting conversation though i do want to say um whenever the opportunity comes like for example when the other parent is like no you can't have a peanut buster parfait Mm-hmm. And that's when you just say, oh, yeah, well, you know, obviously you respect the other parent, but you, that's when you say, uh, well, come hang out. You know, we'll have a good time because mm-hmm. that's what the good the good parent does that. And that's then right. you just sort of plant those things. It's like Paul being a politician. <laughs> you plant those things and then they get carried forward uh, future into life, which matters yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. a little bit later in our life. Um, <laughs> Jesse Lipscomb is an actor. He's from Edmonton, spends uh, most of his time lately in Vancouver. Can we talk about your um, Julie, your wife? Yeah, we can. Um, Let's talk about it. The reason why I want to say is because I think that you can lend everybody here. You know, we're really just kidding. This is just two guys catching up, really, is what this is. But I want you to share um, something that I've never asked you about before, but I really want to, um, I really want you to just sort of free flow it. You and Julie, from what I can tell, are each other's biggest cheerleader. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How important is that to success in any relationship? Yeah, I mean, I think if you were to pick maybe one of the most important things, at least for myself and always has been, is having someone, A, that I can cheerlead for, that has their own thing, their own passion, and vice versa. They really, they're on my team and cheerleading for me too. And that is something we've done from the beginning. But it's not one of those things where it's like, I know I'm supposed to do this. I'm generally, like, I'm genuinely her fan. I love what she does. She's super smart. She's like really a phenomenal writer and producer and, and such a keen eye, um, especially like in pop, pop culture and film and cinema. So it's really fun to have somebody who's very hard to impress uh, with anything. 
because when Julia gives her like stamp of uh, this is good, I'm like, this means it's really good. And that's rare. But it, when it happens, it's amazing. But I love that. Um, but I think it's it's very, very important. It's important to have your own thing. And it's important to make sure that you're you're elevating and supporting. And there's no there's like there is no competition in a relationship like her wins or my wins and vice versa. Um, and it is I mean, I think uh, who said it? I think it was Chris Rock. He was talking about relationships and he's like, this is the service industry. That's what you're in. It's not 50 50. You're in the service industry. And I and I think that's the truth. You know, it's the whole idea is how can we serve each other to elevate the collective? Wow. It's kind of a humanity conversation too, isn't it? Yeah, it really does. I think it definitely echoes uh, across many different parallels for sure. Oh, cool. Jesse Lipscomb here with us on The Shift. I'm Shane Hewitt. Uh, let's talk about some of your acting. Uh, most people recently probably know you from Mance and mm-hmm. uh, Black Summer. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, um, what have you been up to? Because you've been busy. I know that you even had to delay us because you've been working on some other things. Uh, yeah. Because you're just yeah. so darn popular. Yeah, I wish. I wish that was the case. But I'm still, I'm still hustling. I'm still auditioning and, and not booking. But that's the name of the game. But I, uh, I just finished, not just finished, I'm actually currently shooting a, uh, a Hallmark Christmas movie. Uh, I've never done a Hallmark Christmas movie, and I love them. We watch them every year, so it's going to be very fun um, to do that. And I don't see a lot of, um, I don't see a lot of black people in a ton of them, but I don't think I've ever seen a black sheriff in a Hallmark movie. So it's as unofficial history, I've decided. But that's, so that's fun. <laughs> <I'm>, uh, <laughs> well, it is true. I mean, let's just uh, apply the the cookie cutter template is it's, it's pretty vanilla looking um, shows. It's nice to hear that they're starting to, you know, s- step out and represent society yeah, for what it actually yeah, yeah, is. Yeah. yeah. So that's good. That's good. Yes. Black Summer was great. Um, unfortunately, that didn't get picked up for season three, but that just opens the door for a couple other things. Joe Pickett, like I mentioned off the top is a, is a great show. Uh, we're going into season two this year um yeah it's been it's been fun i mean i've been doing other things like commercials and voiceovers for like madden 23 football games i'm I'm having a good time right now um uh, almost finished one of my ya novels uh which is getting turned into a script and a couple scripts that i wrote are in in development right now so a little bit of both you know a lot of writing and producing and acting um and then of course i'm speaking all the time uh different conferences different companies still in the diversity and inclusivity world um, because that thing does, it doesn't matter what arena I'm in, that's always with me. So whether I'm writing, of course, that's from that lens, whether I'm acting, I'm trying to make sure there's representation. And if I'm producing, it's the same game. So that work always continues, but, uh, I'm definitely in front of the camera a little bit more than I used to be. And that is my happy place, Shane. Is it really like, that's the one, that's the true one. It is. I, um, really, I, I mean, you're, you're so, you're so good with the. I don't mean to diminish your acting by saying you're so good with the public speaking. Right. But, you know, people, people often hear that the wrong way, but you know, I mean, you, you are naturally such a good connector. Maybe that's what acting is. That's that's exactly right. Because here's the difference when I'm talking on a stage to whether it be like 500, a thousand, 5,000 people. Yes. I want to connect with my audience and very similar to theater. uh, But maybe if I was doing like a monologue, but that's the difference. Right. But on, when I'm doing a show on a film, it's such an intimate connection with your scene partner and with your camera operator. And it's such an intimate thing. And that's the stuff I love connecting and like making magic, finding truth, all of that. That's all we do as actors. But then again, that's all I'm trying to do as a speaker, as an educator. So, but for me in front of a camera, there's just things that are the intangibles that just light my soul on fire. Uh, And I love it. I love creating and connecting. Love it. This is so good. How's your game, by the way? Cause you had the, um, not that funny board game. You were doing mm-hmm. the pre-roll funding 
a year ago. That's right. And uh, and then now you're uh, here. You are. Is it is it a real thing now? Yeah, it's a real thing. So you know that it got funded, um, and now we are at the mercy of the shipping containers from overseas just yeah. to, uh, like we've, <laughs> the game it's done we're just like waiting for this boat to slowly get over here so if any of the people listening it's on its way uh but yeah i've seen it we've played it it's really cool um really some really neat connections that we're making some big box stores that are very interested in having it all over north america um so it, this year will be a pretty cool year for that for the game um a lot of corporations have been using it um uh, you know a, a as icebreakers but also as like educational tools just to to learn in a new way i know a lot of people are sick of zoom uh presentations are just a talking head so it's nice to have another tool in the toolkit to be able to help educate yeah which is great it's about diversity and inclusion uh, mm-hmm. for those who don't know and and those those old maybe those old phrases that we carry with us that when you say them everyone kind of looks at you strange and nobody really knows is that okay anymore mm-hmm. uh, this basically brings this into a conversational uh and playful uh, yep. look at at some of those old phrases from uh, generations ago that might sort of sprinkle through that maybe aren't relevant anymore, certainly aren't, you know, fair, or even just maybe a little bit not appropriate. So yeah, it's pretty I mean, cool. It, not that funny, really. The whole point is it's uncovering all those microaggressions in everyday language. And interestingly enough, a lot of them aren't that old. You know, I mean, there's some that are still, that are like, you know, things we maybe just thought were okay 10 years ago, five years ago. Um, and it's neat to be able to play it in like a non-confrontational way, right? It's just, you're, you're with whatever crew you're with in an environment and you're not the person who's uttering them. They're already written on the card and, and there's a lot of learning, uh, that's there. And it tells you why things are harmful and what you could say maybe as an alternative choice. So it's a, a gamification of activism. Um, and I, why? Because people are lazy. Let's be honest. This is why we, mm-hmm. because Absolutely. if I could, if we can have as much of the answers there and the easiest method of delivery then we might see a higher uptake of, of absorption of this information. So why not have a little fun while we're trying to be a little better? Well, it's no fun to look in the mirror, and it's a lot more fun to blame other people, Jesse. Absolutely it is. Way easier, so, too. Yeah. Way easier, too. <laughs> All right, we started this conversation with Jeffy, Jesse Lipscomb uh, talking about parenting. You're talking about how we can convince our kid parents that we are the favorite parent. Uh, you have a couple of kids, so I would have to ask you this um, in the spirit of that. Mm-hmm. Which of the children is your favorite? Well, I got three, right? So uh, this is this uh, it's an easy one. You're supposed to say they're all equally the same, or it's known him the longest, right? So because I've known him the longest, our relationships had the longest to grow. So I just say, you know, he's he's he he takes the cake for longevity, and and that's it. He just knows me for more minutes than the other two sons, and for that, he wins the that competition. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Oh, his name's Chili Hurricane James Lipscomb. My middle wow. son is Trip Ryder Binary Lipscomb. My youngest is Indiana George Porter Lipscomb. Wow. So yeah. is that you being is that you um being like creative and expressive or is that you be indecisive with those no, long names? Yeah, so uh, the the quick story for the first two, uh Shannon and I, we went on a trip. So there's the word there's Trip's name in a in a rider van, like those big rider vans. Uh, yeah. For Hurricane Katrina relief, we took a million teddy bears down to all the displaced children in, in the different shelters. And on that trip, we talked about potential children's names. Uh, and so Hurricane went, and Chile were at the top of the list because I love the country. Um, and that's how that happened. That's where those names came from. And then Binary, because he was born on a binary palindrome, which a lot of people are familiar with right now because we just had a really cool one. But he yeah. was born on 0111110. So he, he's, a, he's born on a binary palindrome. 
Um, and uh, so that's where those ones came from. And then the youngest is named after Indiana Jones and our favorite jazz singer, Greg Reporter. There you go. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> Chatting yeah. with you is always so much fun, Jesse. It's great. <laughs> uh, glad to see you're, you're crushing it. You still got the hustle and uh, still loving the dad life too as um, as you're literally literally running around and doing this and making time for us. So I appreciate it, bud. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks, Shane. Bye-bye. This is The Shift Podcast. Brett and Kelly's here. He's always a bucket of fun. Uh, Ryan O'Donnell, <laughs> Ryan O'Donnell's here too, <laughs> and uh, it's time for us to go with. Are you okay with? Now this little segment is a piece where you can text into eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight and tell us if you are okay or not okay with these topics. Are you okay with restaurants? I think so. Yeah, I went to. Uh, a little pizza place this weekend, a family favorite of my partner's Laura, partner Laura's. And uh, there was one other family in there. It was like a takeout. We walked in and go, hey, can we sit and eat? And the restaurant owner was so surprised that we wanted to sit in. But they're so kind and so welcoming. And it was so nice, so fresh. And it's just a nice like family-owned business kind of thing, right? It's a nice reminder. Cool. I think it's a, a wholesome place, yeah. My friend Chad... Chad is a magical human being. Chad loves hospitality industry, and he has, in his life, taken a stand for hospitality. So in his long list of pubs and all those things that he's involved with, he, um, you know what his number one thing is in all of that, business owner and all those fancy things that he does, is um, teaching people how hospitality exchange works. The kindness exchange of sort of being inquisitive and curious and conversational and friendly and welcoming and family and all those things. And I love it because it's so cool to watch and often young people, of course, working in, in those positions, host, hostess type server, bartender, all those things. And it's really cool to think that there are people out there like my friend, Chad McCormick, who literally takes a stand to celebrate and expand the notion of what is hospitality and how we can be all be better at it in our lives. It's very similar to your story, right? Love that. It's beautiful. Well, Brendan Kelly, I'm assuming because typically you spend money at restaurants. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it's very broad. I like majority of restaurants. I mean, there's been a few that I've either worked in or been in hmm. that have been questionable. Yeah. So I can't say I like oh, all yeah. restaurants, but the majority, yeah. Like the notion of the restaurant is all right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's good. Oh, there we go. See? Yeah. Food. We like food. A restaurant in Oregon reopened this week after a fire forced the business to close last year. And how that fire started, wow, that's where the cool story begins. Smiles all around the table as people are welcomed back to the reopening of Brails on 5th. It's definitely very exciting to be back. It's been crazy being out of work for so long. This after a small fire broke out in mid-December that shut the restaurant down for nearly three months. The cause of the fire, you may ask? Well, it's what the server's using to wipe down those tables. Some crazy one-in-a-million thing happened where, uh... What? What? Cliffhanger. How any can guesses? you do that? Any guesses? Take a guess. What do you All think, right. Okay. Ryan's playing games with us. The restaurant. 
what a one in a million experience of things that started the fire. BK, what's mm-hmm. your guess? Well, I can guarantee you that it wasn't uh, Billy Joel. He didn't start the fire. <laughs> That's pretty good. I would, I would, I would say something like a like a bird flew in and made a nest in a power box or something. Like mm-hmm. that would probably be my guess. That's pretty one in a million, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, you're both wrong. It's even. Really? More what, weird. What, no, than Billy that. Joel's not Technically, right. for me to be wrong, Billy Joel would have Billy had Joel to have started the fire. Start the fire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. Yes, Brendan. Congratulations. You are correct. Yes, I win. And answering the wrong question. <laughs> Always competitive. You're 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 correct at the wrong question in a long. Yeah. Okay, Ryan. So take us. You take us. Keep going here. Tell us what we got to know. Well, why don't I'll just let the guy who owns the restaurant and watch the fire happen tell you it's way better Sorry. than how i could tell you it one in a million thing happened where uh some towels that we washed because we have a washer dryer downstairs and uh, every day we wash towels and get them ready for the next day so we brought up the wash clean towels uh up in this room here and they spontaneously combusted combination of the grease and laundry detergent in the towels caused a chemical reaction that led them to burst into flames. What? Yeah, the towels just ignited on their own. Because <laughs> of wild. science. Science! Wow, the fire was small, but the smoke damage took months to repair. Mr. Sung said the community's support encouraged him uh, during the process of reopening the restaurant. From the little that we got from social media, people reaching out and supporting us, and also all the kind words they received from our regulars and customers that go to our other restaurant on 17th and uh, Willamette, uh, parentheses, congratulations and high five for finding a way to promote your other restaurant so clearly when you're in this. Yeah, Good right. marketing. Um, it really touched our heart, he said. I That's amazing. I always worry about that all those things right when you're cleaning stuff and they put stuff down mm-hmm. and then you do other things i'm gonna start a fire mm-hmm. yeah that's like a petrifying like guilty kind of fear especially like yeah did, did this towel have oil on it do i put it in the well, dryer i don't know I can't be the only one dishcloth. that has like one shelf with most of the cleaning fluids on it yep yep right so but i also have you know power steering fluid wd-40 Probably some spray paint. Like, I have a lot of things in that same area. That can't all be. That's a science project waiting to happen. Or, like, various jobs I've had where they're like, yeah, just leave the jerry can over there in the corner here in the garage. And I'm just like, it's full of gasoline. What if I do something wrong? I don't. What if I leave it in the wrong spot? Like, Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Well, not fun, but fun. In hindsight, it's fun. Not fun at the time. I didn't mean to make it weird. But, no. Yeah. Propane tanks is another one. Oh, yeah. You walk into people's houses that have a propane tank inside the house. Ugh, oh, I got tired God. of carrying it out to the patio. Really? You're going to get really tired of being blown to bits. <laughs> Not careful. Are you okay with bears? Not bears. I wish I could pet them. No. You can. No. Medi- I, I'm. No, it's like people who have tigers. I'm not going to pet a tiger. I don't care how domesticated, finger quotes. Oh, no, but I mean, like, even it, a wild bear, like, you can pet it. It'll oh, probably eat you. But, like, mm-hmm. you can do anything once, Ryan. You can do anything you want in your life at least once. At least one time. Would it be worth it yeah. for a bear? No. No. But they are cute. They are cool. 
I don't know. I've no, like I've been to Yellowstone mm-hmm. and even here around the mountains. Doesn't I've never thought that when I see one, I'm just like, I don't I don't want to pet that. I don't want to go near that. When we made the mistake of parents about going to uh, I mean the way they treat the animals is quite fantastic. There's a, a one of those sort of petting zoo type joints. They have tigers and bears and they have movie bears there. And these are the bears that act in movies. And that's where they go to get the to get a movie bear. And I have a picture and we took all these kids, like we took these these parents gave us their kids for a birthday party, and we were going to this petting zoo. And because it was they could feed my daughter's birthday, she got to go feed the tigers on a stick, like the bit of meat on a stick and feed the tigers. Really cool birthday experience. Well, I also got a photo with the bear. And so this is the movie bear, and there's this row of kids sitting in front of the bear. And there's like an electrified wire hidden that so the bear doesn't cross. And then they, you know, give the bear the command and the bear puts his hand up and smiles, lifts up its lips mm. for the picture. So it's and then you take the picture and it's really it's a cute picture. But in hindsight, these parents gave me their kids and we went and they were like two feet away from a bear with a tiny little electric. Like one or two of them would have been launched before anybody stepped in. Really. But it was cool. It's a cool photo. <laughs> I would never do it again. All right. Are you okay with bears? What about bears that are on the chunky side? We can't body shame bears, can we? Look out. I think Moto Moto likes you. Just for some reference, that song is from Madagascar, the kids' animated movie, which is quite possibly in the list of top five of all time. Excellent. How about a 500-pound bear called Hank the Tank? The 500-pound black bear has damaged more than 30 properties around Lake Tahoe and last week broke into another home with an endless quest for a quick meal. The giant bear has eluded capture for more than seven months now. A big bear break-in. I'm tired of having to fear our lives, quite frankly, because of what a bear may or may not do. Bridget Marchetti Phillip and her family lives across the street from where Hank, a 500-pound black bear, broke into their neighbor's Tahoe Keys home Friday morning. We have to uh, be able to protect our children, and we have to be able to uh, be able to walk out of our house. John Barrett and Philip share a family house in the neighborhood and are teaching their kids bear safety after years of seeing them in their neighborhood and backyard. It's really scary because we used to be able to go on like walks and bike rides by ourselves, but it's become like a bigger problem. So now we bring the bear horns whenever we go on walks or bike rides. South Lake Tahoe police found Hank inside a house after he got in through the window. Neighbors say this is the second time he's broken into the same house. Police had to scare him away. I went to the front door, banged on the front of the house. Nicknamed Hank the Tank, Department of Fish and Wildlife have been trying to track and trap him with 38 homes already damaged in the area. Now that reports from ABC7. To give them credit, though, because, you know, we often tease the TV people, uh, this is how they introduce that story. The bear break-ins are getting a little um, unbearable. (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty cute i'll give the credit being cute now an update on this from like thursday or friday is that new dna evidence about bears yes 
uh, says that Hank the Tank gets his name cleared because DNA evidence says that three different bears have been involved. So it's a whole squad of bears. Ooh, wow. Um, it's a gang. That are, yeah, the it's a gang of bears. Ooh, I guess it'd be a pack. Was that a herd? I don't know. A pack. It's got to be a pack of bears. Well, the burning question here on the shift from that last segment was, what do you call a group of bears? Any guesses? Ryan was going with murder. Seems appropriate. Huh. Ugh. I would say a uh, big, big bumble. A bumble Ooh. of bears. Yeah, why not? See, Adorable. that's way better than what it actually is. Um, What is it? A sloth. What? Really? Used as a collective noun for a group of bears. Sloth. I checked like four or five websites. A and a sleuth is also used for a group of bears. Uh-huh. Weird, right? Sloth of bears, sleuth of bears, a hug of teddy bears, communities of koala bears, which aren't bears, colony of koalas, and a litter of baby bears. It's a litter of cubs. There you go. Now you know. Who knew? I had no idea. That is what I learned on the shift today. <laughs> my goodness. Are you okay with moms? Are you okay with moms? Yeah, my mom is like my everything. I don't know where I'd be without my mom. And it's funny, like even the simplest things in life you want to share with your mom, even if they're not there, you know, call and yeah, it's like, where would you be without your mom? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. My mom's just we. She claims she's five, two and a half. She's not anymore. Oh, yeah. My mom's like five, three. So my, my mom's five foot. Yeah, about my mom's got to be wow. five foot or less at this point. Ryan, you're taller than your mom. Uh, yeah, I am taller than my mom, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How about that? This is if I this would this to me. Um, this is the uh, no. This is Michelle Ryan's mom. I imagine that this is what Ryan's mom is like. Now I've had phone conversations with Ryan's mom and stuff like that. Oh yeah. I've not met her in person. I mean, I did take Ryan to his mom's. Uh, I was not allowed to meet her. But I, I, I did drop by, so I saw the driveway. and But this is what I imagine Ryan's mom to be like for how excited is she is to see Ryan. So this is a mom moment. Miles Harris is a reporter for an ABC affiliate, WSYX, in Ohio. Last week, he was doing reported things. It was a serious crime. He's standing on a street corner doing one of those stand-ups where they go like, hey, let's go to Miles Harris, who's at the scene of the crime, to tell us where the status of the things are. And uh, so he's standing there, and then while he was getting ready to do his TV thing, he got a big surprise when his mom dropped by. Here's the clip. Is it because of the... This is my mom. Hold on. Uh-uh. Hi, baby. <laughs> I'm trying to work right now. You order call my phone. This is D'Angelo. You can say hi. And don't be holding up traffic because you got cars behind you. Did you record that? Hi, baby. I love that. Oh, so that made my day. Oh, oh wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mom is so yeah. proud. Now, making light of the whole interaction, Harris joked that he wasn't out of the ordinary for his mom. Uh, typical Sandy, he captioned on social media. So his mom must be enthusiastic at the best of times. Hey, man, your mom loves you, man. Moms are awesome. Yeah, my mom. Hi, baby. 
My mom won't even listen to the shift. She's like, it's not too late. It's way too late. She's like, yeah. that's 1 a.m. <laughs> my time. Like, Teach her the podcasts. It's newfangled kid stuff. She's a boomer. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the shift podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 